Here on Gadget Lab, we dive deep into the tech universe, tackling questions like, is giving companies access to your genetic material a good idea? And are the latest phone releases really that different than the last ones? We want to help you make informed decisions about what is worth your attention. And here's something that is undeniably worth your time, a digital subscription to Wired. Lucky for you, we are giving Gadget Lab listeners an exclusive discount, 20% off an annual subscription to Wired. Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Lauren. Mike. Lauren, I like the shirt that you're wearing. Where did you get it? <laughs> I have a hard time believing you really like the shirt that I'm wearing. Well, it's what's written in the script. <laughs> I know, but, but I really so actually do like it. Where where did you where did you thank get it? you? It I um, uh, this is one of my fancier shirts. I got it at Bloomingdale's, and I I got it in like a panic the day before I was humble brag before I was going on the Today Show because I felt that I needed to wear something that had a little pizzazz to it. All right, so you selected it quickly. Yes. Did you research it before you bought it to find out if it has any toxic chemicals in it? Uh, no. I mean, if research means glancing at the price tag and saying, "Okay, I think I can afford this," that's the research that I did. I see. No, I didn't. I didn't research the toxic chemicals. Are you telling me this is a toxic shirt? Uh, unfortunately, we can assume that the shirt probably has some toxic chemicals in it. Sounds terrible. Tell me more. <laughs> well, why don't we bring on our guest to tell us more? Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to Gadget Lab. I am Michael Calori. I'm a senior editor at Wired. And I'm Lauren Good. I'm a senior writer at Wired. We're also joined today by the journalist and author Alden Wicker. Hello, Alden. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Welcome to the show. Your first time through. Yeah. And I'm very excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Today, we are talking about the toxic chemicals in our clothes. Alden has written a new book on the topic called To Die For, How Toxic Fashion is Making Us Sick. Such a good title. To die is D-Y-E, D-Y-E. by the way. Yes. yes. I wish I could take credit. I didn't come up with it, unfortunately. Well, well whoever did, I hope they're getting a good percentage. <laughs> <laughs> they sure. are, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> This is a topic that Alden has covered before for Wired, as well as other outlets like the New York Times, Vogue, and her own publication, EcoCult. But To Die For is her first long-form dive into the topic. She interviewed dozens of researchers, doctors, regulators, fashion industry workers, and regular consumers like you and I to better understand the effect that these chemicals, dyes, and treatments have on our health. So Alden, I want to start 
by asking you to identify some of these common dyes and treatments that you talk about in your book. What sorts of toxic chemicals are companies adding to our clothes? Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of different types of chemicals and a lot of different reasons they could be on our clothes. Some of them are intentionally added. So of course you have dyes. Dyes can be just basic allergens. Uh, they can set off people's asthma or their skin issues. Um, something like dispersed dye, which is used specifically for uh, polyester because polyester is a plastic. It's hard to dye plastic. So you have a special dye for that. You also have performance finishes. So you have stain proof finishes, uh, waterproofing finishes. Those are actually uh, related or sometimes identical to what you have on nonstick pans. So you might have heard about the super toxic class of chemicals called PFAS. Um, the branded name way back when was Teflon and how uh, the EPA has started to really take an interest in getting it out of our water supply because these things stay around forever once they're created. That's why they're called forever chemicals. You also have uh, easy care, wrinkle, anti-wrinkle finishes. You have finishes that just make it feel soft. Um, and then you have just processing chemicals that make it softer or get it slippery enough or strong enough to be dyed or sewn or all those different things. And then those chemicals are stripped off by other chemicals. Um, and then you can have contaminating chemicals. So in the past, things like fungicides and pesticides have been found on fashion because it was used in the warehouse or it was used on the ship that was used to ship all of these types of clothing over. So there are thousands of chemicals that could be in or on or put on our fashion. The last good estimate was by Nike at 3000, but that was several years ago. And there's a lot of evidence that it's actually thousands more than that. Um, we just don't really have a good idea because we don't have a good idea of exactly what's in our fashion. Uh, hold, please. I've got to go take all of my clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alden, are some clothing types worse offenders than others? I'm, I'm now thinking about the um, the stretch pants that I wear religiously, and, and, and I'm pretty sure there's some kind of poly. Yeah, actually, your stretch pants are probably not great. Great. There was. <laughs> yeah. So this... Um, there is a uh, California-based nonprofit that tests different consumer products. And then if they find toxic chemicals that are not labeled under California law, as they should be, they will go after those companies. So recently they found BPA, which is a hormone-disrupting chemical that you might have heard about with the big baby bottle scare about a decade ago. They found those in polyester spandex sports bras, socks and other types of athletic clothing that's, you know, polyester and stretchy. And that's a problem because we're not totally sure the research isn't here yet. But, you know, when you sweat, that can draw whatever is in your clothing out onto your skin and then it can be absorbed into your skin. So uh, and hormone disrupting chemicals can do a lot of damage, even at tiny, tiny, tiny amounts. So that's pretty scary. Um, you asked specifically about that, but you know, there are other types of clothing that are particularly toxic. Um, outdoor gear can have that class of chemicals I mentioned, the forever chemicals, PFAS. In fact, most brands do have that, outdoor brands. There are uh, printed products. So if you get a t-shirt that has, you know, a plasticky uh, logo on the front, that can be really toxic. Um, so synthetics, saturated colors, performances, all the different layers that are put on things 
to sell them at a markup to us. This is blowing my mind because there's such irony in people, I think, who want to spend a lot of time outdoors thinking that you're getting out in nature, that you're appreciating nature, and that you're living a more natural kind of existence. And that just butting up directly with this idea that actually the performance and outdoor gear that we wear is probably loaded with chemicals. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, they found a lot of PFAS uh, at Everest Base Camp, for example, because so many people hiking in and out with their performance clothing. Yikes. So you mentioned the toxicity of various dyes. Is there a particular color that's just the worst? Well, that's a good question. Um, Anecdotally, uh, when I was researching this book, somebody told me, look at reds, look at yellows, look at blacks, uh, blues as well. I, okay, I, I think I just named like pretty much all the <laughs> colors. <laughs> but um, Google is a terrible offender. This. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, any super saturated colors. Um, I did mention that it's actually more about the type of dye than the actual color. Mm. So huh. if you are having skin problems, which a lot of people have, I think one in five people will experience contact dermatitis at some point in their life um, and things like eczema and psoriasis. If you go into your dermatologist and you say, I'm having this problem and they give you a patch test, which is where they put little patches of potential allergens all over your back. um, And then they peel them back and see which ones are causing a reaction. A very common one that they put in there is uh, a certain dispersed blue or black dye. So that's the dye that's used on polyester. So it's it's a known allergen. It causes a lot of problems for people. Again, anecdotally, I talked to people, uh, a couple women who one was Romanian and lived in Alaska and the other was from L.A. And both of them can't do blue. Uh, they can't do blue clothing anymore um, for a variety mm. of reasons. So um, that seems to be a big offender, but that doesn't mean the others can't cause a problem. You know, people who have very serious intolerances to chemicals um, throughout their life, they tend to go for light pastel or even just white or um, undyed cotton fibers. So, you know, that sort of creamy off-white unbleached color that comes through. But uh, yeah, it does seem like blue and black and just bright neon colors are the worst. Hmm. Some of the sources that you spoke to for this book developed allergies or severe autoimmune diseases that they believe may have been linked to the type of clothing that they were wearing or may have been compelled to wear. So I was hoping you could share a little bit more about their stories and also talk about how certain chemicals in fashion can disrupt fertility. Yeah. So um, I did talk to a few people who... um, I talked to one woman, Jacqueline, who um, has worked in the fashion industry in New York in a not very glamorous job overseeing production. So she was the one visiting factories and opening these samples fresh from the factories, which really stink of chemicals. She was doing that for over a decade and she developed skin issues. She tested as allergic to some of those chemicals and then she got appendicitis and um, developed severe, severe Crohn's. I mean, she was 35 when she ended up in the hospital and she was dying. And um, she ended up getting the medication she needed to reverse that. But it's been a really long, slow slog back to being able to manage her health. And, you know, this is an N of one, right? We can't say definitively that 
you know, being exposed to these chemicals, which she's very clearly allergic to day in and day out, was the trigger for her Crohn's. But given the latest research on how something like Crohn's or other autoimmune diseases can develop, which is you have a genetic disposition towards them and then you have a trigger, it's, you know, it's not out of the question that this was directly linked to, you know, her her failing health. So that was one um, really harrowing instance. I've talked to other flight attendants. Um, so flight attendants from four major airlines got really sick after the introduction of new uniforms. And I followed a lot of them. Um, and there's very clear, there's a Harvard study linking the introduction of uniforms, new uniforms to Alaska Airlines, um, to a, a doubling of various health ailments, including multiple chemical sensitivity and, uh, you know, breathing problems and stuff. And um, I followed along and, you know, some of them have gotten in touch with me and said, hey, I've developed, you know, skin cancer on my nipple, which how would that happen? Others have developed severe autoimmune disease. Um, so I, in the book, I do speak to some researchers who do trace a line from, you know, just allergies to if you're not helping yourself avoid these allergy triggers, it can go into a full-blown autoimmune disease. And, and then there's one, there's one flight attendant from Alaska Airlines, John, who um, I spoke to his partner and he was sent to the hospital multiple times um, during his time working in a new uniform. And he passed away at age 65, um, official cause, asthma, and um, I think it was heart failure, but he was far too young and healthy before this all happened for this to be the way he passed away. So um, really, some really harrowing stories, yeah. And what about fertility? How can these chemicals potentially disrupt that? Yeah, so there are a lot of different chemicals that are hormone-disrupting chemicals or endocrine disruptors that are used in fashion. So PFAS, which I mentioned, BPA, phthalates, some heavy metals are endocrine disruptors. And um, if you are exposed to even a tiny amount of endocrine disruptors, they can cause a cascading effect in your hormonal and reproductive systems. So infertility amongst men and women has been going up for some time. You might have heard about the men's fertility apocalypse that was in the news a few years back. And um, one big reason they think is the preponderance of endocrine disrupting chemicals in our environment, in our consumer products, in our homes. And one way to be exposed to them is to wear something with endocrine disruptors on it 24 hours a day and also when we sleep. So there is definitely a link there to a lot of the chemicals that we use on fashion. All right, let's take a break and then we'll come right back. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Jeremy Larson, the Reviews Director of Pitchfork, and this podcast is supported by Pitchfork Music Festival. Pitchfork Music Festival will take place July 19th through the 21st at Union Park in Chicago, Illinois. This year's lineup features Jamie XX, Alanis Morissette, Black Pumas, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brittany Howard, Jay Paul, Muna, Jesse Ware, 100 Gex, and many more. 
The festival also features diverse vendors as well as a specialty record, poster, and craft fairs and works to support local businesses while promoting the Chicago arts and food communities as a whole. For more information on tickets and lineup, visit pitchforkmusicfestival.com. Okay, so we've talked about some of the terrible chemicals that go into the clothes that we wear and some of the many health problems these chemicals can cause. But I want to do a quick wardrobe change here and talk about solutions. Oh, no. You knew it was coming. Wardrobe change. Alden, what is a smart shopper to do? Like, what if I just want to buy a new pair of pants that won't make me sick? Yeah, so I want to preface all of this by saying that there are a lot of scary things out there. People have a lot on their plates. If you're like perfectly healthy and your whole family is perfectly healthy, first of all, tell me what you do. But also like, (laughs) don't add this to your like list of things to obsess over. But, you know, if you do have chronic health issues, if your kids have sensitive skin, all those different things, you should definitely be thinking about your fashion. So I just wanted to say that at the outset, I don't, I don't like fear mongering. I want to give people information so they can live their life a little bit better. Sure. Um, So uh, one thing I would say is avoid polys. So what do I mean by polys? I mean, any of the fabrics that start with poly, polyester, polyurethane, all of these different synthetic fabrics, because um, some of them aren't toxic in themselves. Some of them are, right? They can have, you know, these plasticizers, but it's also what's put on them. And it seems that people who have allergies or um, chronic health conditions, they can be triggered by wearing these synthetic fibers, whether it's because of the fibers themselves or what's on them, like dispersed dyes. The other thing you can do is avoid um, performance and promises, marketing promises. So if it sounds too good to be true, if it's stain resistant, wrinkle resistant, anti-odor, easy care, all of these different things, definitely avoid it. A lot of those claims are kind of spurious anyway. There was some recent research showing that PFAS actually isn't even that good at stain proofing something. So I would just be really careful about sourcing anything that has that in it because honestly, it's just a way for them to mark up the price and put a fancy, you know, trademark on it and say like, you should pay more for this because it has all these fun qualities. The other thing I would say is to avoid uh, ultra cheap fashion. So don't buy things off of sketchy social media ads. If you've never heard of the brand, if it seems like the website was set up in five minutes to sell you junk, if it looks like the photos were pulled from an influencer's account, you're probably not going to get what you ordered anyway. There's probably not going to be a way to return it. And it's pretty dangerous. Uh, For example, there was a brand that had been set up two years prior that had to be recalled. Um, They made children's shoes because they had um, some toxic, I forget what the toxic chemicals were in those children's shoes, but it had just been set up by a Chinese factory a couple of years before. It had one of those gibberish names you see all over Amazon. So be careful about those because nobody's checking in between it being shipped straight from the factory to your front door to make sure that it's safe. What about um, discount clothing stores? I'm thinking about, you know, TJ Maxx, stores like that, that people really like and really gravitate towards to when, you know, inflation is high or the economy is bad. Yeah, um, I want to be careful about what I say because I don't want to get in legal trouble. But there have (laughs) been tests that have found some pretty nasty things at discount stores. 
Um, but it has less to do with, uh, those are better than the ultra fast fashion brands because those retail stores can be held accountable, especially in the state of California for what they sell to consumers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're, they're not the worst. There is some accountability there, but it's not, it's not a hard and fast rule that the more you pay, the safer it is. The better thing is to look for labels and certification. So one label to look for is Blue Sign. Another label to look for is Okotex. Those aren't perfect, but they are the best way to know that the brand has been sort of working with its factories to ensure that they're not using or putting toxic chemicals on your clothing. So I'm glad that you brought up labels and certifications because when I buy like a box of cereal or a tub of hummus, I can see every ingredient listed right on the side. But when I buy a shirt, I see what the material is made of, but I don't know how it was dyed or how it was treated. So will there ever be uh, an ingredient label like that for our clothes? I know, wild, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's pretty crazy that, you know, even if you know you have an allergy to a chemical used in clothing, there's almost no way for you to avoid it because, yeah, it's not listed. Um, I would love that. That's actually sort of the first thing that I'm advocating for, like the first step in a process of overhauling the way we use chemicals and put chemicals in this country on consumer products because I think – you know, if people could see the long, 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 long list of chemicals that are in fashion, I think they might actually start to understand that this is a problem. Because I think one of the reasons why people don't realize this is a problem is that, yeah, there is no ingredient list. Um, and it's possible now with the technology that we have. Um, I've been told by suppliers that, you know, we could come up with that ingredient list. It's not possible. Now, of course, they're always going to cry, you know, trade secrets and all of those different things, but there is definitely a way to do it. And I think that people deserve to be able to to pick out clothing that's not going to set them off or that doesn't have carcinogens and, and such in it. What are the innovations around this that you think are most promising? I'm kind of picturing a world like right now, if someone says, oh, I really like your pants or dress, there's this meme where women say, thanks, it has pockets. And I wonder if there's a world where it's like, thanks, it has dye-free natural rayons in the future. Yeah. Actually, this isn't really, this isn't a new, new innovation, but it hasn't really taken off. And I think it's really cool. There's, um, there's this brand of cotton called Fox Fiber by Sally Fox. And it's actually just heritage cotton that grows in different colors. So you don't even have to dye it. So there is, there's like pale pink and green and sort of a nice, like a beigey brown. Um, so you're, you're not going to get hot pink, uh, but that means you don't have to add really anything to it. There's also uh, some companies working on non-toxic finishes and ways to impart performance to textiles without using toxic chemicals. So uh, there's some European, mostly outdoor brands that sort of do physical directional weave to their fabrics so that the water just sort of beads up and rolls off instead of having to apply this toxic PFAS durable water repellent. So there's a lot of work going on there, but it's kind of hard to understand what is legitimate and what is just a sort of rebranding of what was already going on. And like I said, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't really trust performance right now. So, um, I I hesitate to recommend any of them. It also does seem like some of the brands and particularly like legitimate direct-to-consumer brands that are promoting non-toxic materials in their clothing, they tend to be pretty expensive. Like most people can't 
get the $300 sweater just because it's using natural fibers or no dyes or it's supposedly better for you. Yeah, and I think that's really unfortunate. I mean, what I don't want to happen as a result of this book is sort of another way in which people with resources or like rich white ladies who go to Goop have another leg up on the rest of the population mm-hmm. and like living a healthful life. Like I, I really think that everybody should be able to go to any store they want or order something online and trust that it's it's going to be safe for them and their kids. Um, but, you know, there are there are some what we would consider mass market or fast fashion brands that have been doing a lot of work on this. Um, Hanes is one of them. Hmm. Levi's, H&M, which I know is surprising for a lot of people. Um, Nike is one of them that's been working on this for a while. Um, yeah, there's, there's some brands that are working on this that are mass market brands. I would say if it's a brand that cares about their reputation and has a chemical management policy, you don't necessarily need to go and buy the super frou-frou organic cotton you know, like all those different things. Um, you can just go to there. But again, like none of the brands that I name are are perfect. They still use synthetics. Um, Patagonia, for example, hasn't gotten PFAS out of every single one of its lines. So um, yeah, it's it's not easy to do right now, which is a problem, which is why, yeah, like do what you can, but also we definitely need sort of more government protection for this. One thing that people can do, which is something that I'm personally committed to doing, is wearing absolutely everything until it's like literally falling off of your body. Um, all of my shirts. You're so have, sustainable. I mean, it's it just feels right. You know, like I, I paid a lot of money for this and I like wearing it. So I'm just going to wear it until I, I cannot wear it anymore. I think more people should do that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, um, I would love to do more of that, but you know, as a woman, there's a little bit more pressure to, to keep up with uh, trends and everything. True. I'm um, owning my male privilege right now by saying that, yeah, like, yeah, I can wear yeah. t-shirts <laughs> with holes in them to just about any social situation and it's probably okay. I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, I'm buying secondhand. I'm going to thrift shops. I'm buying on Poshmark. My athletic socks have holes in them, truly. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you end up in a situation like Alden is describing where it's like, you're going on the Today Show the next day and you have this total panic attack around, oh my God, I have to go buy a new blouse. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was actually in that exact same situation. I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to go on TV. Like, let me go spend $300 on a, on a natural fiber blouse. <laughs> but, you know, I, there is something to be said for buying secondhand because, yeah, it's not fresh off the boat. It's been washed a bunch of times. It's off-gassed, whatever volatile organic, compounds it's got going on so it's better but there is a problem with that which is in america you can buy very toxic laundry detergents as well and they deposit their lovely fake synthetic fragrances all over the stuff and it sticks to it for a very long time and so i actually i heard a rumor that textile recycling facilities in europe cannot accept old american used clothing because it's got too much of this toxic detergent deposited all over it. So another thing that people need to do is don't wash your beautiful non-toxic clothing with fragrance detergent because you're going to undo everything that you did. Oh my God. I want to just crawl into a hole right now. (laughs) This is, wow. It's. uh, I'm just thinking about the fresh spring scent I just started using for my clothing and like a home and change everything. Yeah, you should put that in the hole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, don't do that. No. No, that would be bad. Mm-mm. 
Alden, this has been a really great conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take another break and we'll come back with our recommendations. Hackers and cyber criminals have always held this kind of special fascination. Obviously, I can't tell you too much about what I do. It's a game. Who's the best hacker? And I was like, well, this is child's play. I'm Dina Temple Raston, and on the Click Here podcast, you'll meet them and the people trying to stop them. We're not afraid of the attack. We're afraid of the creativity and the intelligence of the human being behind it. Click Here, stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. AI machines, satellite, engine ignition. Click here. And liftoff. Click here every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, this is the third part of our show where we go around the room and everybody gets to recommend a thing that they enjoy that our listeners might also enjoy. And Alden, since you're our guest, you get to go first. What is your recommendation for our listeners? Okay, so I was thinking a lot about what's bringing me the most enjoyment right now on a consistent basis. And I realized that I just, I want to recommend the entire state of Vermont. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Mike is just pumping his fists right now. He's so excited. UVM grad right here. Yep. Yeah. um, My husband and I bought a place here um, mainly because it's, it was really, or it is really climate resilient. Um, And also I convinced him because I told him he could go snowboarding whenever he wanted. Um, But I've really fallen in love with this place. Um, Everybody's super quirky and cool. And it actually does feel like a retreat because everybody's also pretty averse to using the internet up here. So you actually have to go out and meet people and talk to people to get anything done, which I think has been a really, really lovely. Um, So if you ever get tired of the wildfires out there, uh, you should definitely consider coming to Vermont. The second greatest state in the union. What town are you in, Alden? Can you say that? I'm like, do you want to share? Where you... <laughs> tell us exactly where you live. Tell the people. I'm not uh, going to tell you, you the exact town I'm in because it's it's a town of 500, so it'd be easy to find me. But uh, I'm, in, I'm in southern Vermont, so near Brattleboro. Nice. No billboards. No billboards. Oh, my God. It's so great. No billboards, no big box stores, just adorable country stores selling maple syrup wherever you look. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's yeah, everything is adorable. Well, G's and Crow, that's a good one. Lauren, what's your recommendation? <laughs> uh, my recommendation, well, number one on brand, don't use fragrance detergents. Uh, I'm going to go home and change everything after this episode. So thank you, Alden, for that tip. My real recommendation this week is tzatziki sauce. Tzatziki sauce, for those who are not familiar, though many of you probably are, is a type of sauce or dip that is very common in uh, the Middle East and the Mediterranean. The Levant. South Europe. Yes. And it's a yogurt based. Um, It's delicious. Um, If it's made right, it's made with strained yogurt, a little bit of cucumber, some olive oil, maybe some, you know, salt, different herbs. But it's great. It's like basically great at any meal. And I realized this recently because I went to this Greek restaurant and I ordered like salmon and I like I just wanted like a little a tiny little side of tzatziki sauce. And they sort of like mistook it for like I wanted this entire side thing, like this large, large bowl of it with pita bread. And I ended up taking it home and then basically just eating it every meal for like three meals straight and thought, oh, my gosh, this is delicious. I need to do this more often. I need to start making my own. So um, I recommend getting into tzatziki. It's really hard to tzatziki. say. Tzatziki sauce, if you are not already. Nice. I, I second that motion. 
I Mike, have, you can't. You're vegan. I have a good. I have a good vegan tzatziki recipe. I actually. don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> you need yogurt to make this work. You don't need yogurt. No, but you do. Also, there are vegan yogurts. There's cashew yogurt. There's oh, almond. God. They're good. Okay. Oh, you don't know, make you know what they face. call those? They call those probiotic. What do they call those? Non-dairy probiotic foods at the grocery store. Sounds mm. still so sexy. Where I look, where I come from, <laughs> they just call them vegan yogurt. That's all. What from Vermont? I thought they like cows up in Vermont in dairy. Oh yeah, don't don't tell don't tell on me up there. Like I'm a California kid now, so like I don't want I don't want them getting upset that I'm not eating cheese or Ben and Jerry's anymore. Mm. Well, that's my recommendation. Tzatziki sauce. Wonderful. Yes, Mike. What's your recommendation? Uh, I'm going to recommend a book. I think after you buy Alden's book, which is called "To Die For: How Toxic Fashion Is Making Us Sick." Uh, there's a second book that I would recommend, and it's Rick Rubin's book. Oh, my gosh. A Rick Rubin recommendation. I know. I know. So I did <laughs> think twice about recommending this. The book is called The Creative Act, A Way of Being. And you've probably heard about it because like, we're in full Rick Rubin hype cycle mode right now. He's everywhere. He was on 60 Minutes. He's on all the podcasts. He's on NPR. He's promoting this book, which came out in late January. So you may be sick of of hearing him now. But uh, I reluctantly started reading this, and it took me a little while to get into it. But now I am obsessed with this book. I just love it. It's so great. Uh, it's written as like advice to people who have a creative practice. Um, and the book opens with his argument that everybody has a creative practice, whether they know it or not. Um, even like people who drive for a living are creative because they have to come up with new routes on the fly and they're always in the act of creation. But if you're somebody who is disciplined about it uh, in that like you wake up every day and maybe you want to write one song a day or you need to write 10 pages a day or you need to make one piece of visual art like a collage or a painting a day, uh, then this book is for you. It has all kinds of advice. It's written in a way that the, the chapters are very short but the concepts are very, very big. So it's big ideas written small. And you can pick it up and read for five minutes. Or you can pick it up and you can read for an hour and a half. And you'll you'll get something out of it. So I'm the type of person who is like, okay, yeah, great. Another book about creativity. This is probably going to be boring. It's probably going to be a bunch of stuff that I've heard before, right? Well, of course it wasn't, which is why I'm recommending it. Really surprising. Um, you will get something from this book. It sounds a little bit like the artist's way, but without the morning pages. Right. And he, you know, there he does reference that. He does talk mm -hmm. about morning pages, but he also talks about a lot of other stuff too. What was your personal takeaway from it? Uh, discipline is important. Um, doing it every day, particularly like the life maintenance, you know, like feed the cats, do the dishes, take the trash out. Doing all of that in a regimented way and making sure that it's all done when you sit down to create frees up your mental bandwidth to be fully present. Hmm. And that's something that I've always had a problem with, particularly with work. Uh, so like if I need to write a story, I get everything done and then I sit down and write the story uh, so that my mind doesn't wander. The other thing that I took away from it, uh, which comes up multiple times in the book, is that if your mind does wander, it's okay because that part of your brain can be active while you're creating and it sometimes helps with the creative process. That's great. Yeah. Rick Rubin. Yeah. So two books for you to get. 
Yes, after you've read To Die For and revamped your entire wardrobe. Because you spilled tzatziki sauce on it. (laughs) (laughs) And used fragrance detergent to get it out. Change everything. All right. Well, that was good. Uh, Those are good recommendations. Thank you both. And that is our show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Alden, thank you for joining us. Thank you. So great to have you on the pod, Alden. Yeah, it was really great to be here. And thank you all for listening. If you have feedback, you can find all of us on Twitter or Blue Sky or Mastodon. Just check the show notes. We'll put some of our handles in there. Our producer is the excellent Boone Ashworth. We'll be back next week. And until then, goodbye. I'm Reid Hoffman. And I'm Aria Finger. If you're interested in learning about how technology and humanity can come together to make a better future, then Possible is for you. We invite ambitious builders and deep thinkers like Trevor Noah, Kara Swisher, Sam Altman, and so many more. Help us sketch out the brightest version of the future and what it will take to get there. If you want to be part of the future today, then subscribe to Possible wherever you listen to podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you. And how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com.